0: you pray with me? Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So, in one of the early Pirates of the Caribbean movies, like so early people went to see these movies because they were interesting, uh, there's a scene with these two pirates, uh, Pintel and Rigetti. Um, you might be familiar with these two pirates, usually they kind of fill the role of Shakespearean fools, um, or kind of an R2-D2, C-3PO type character in these movies. Um, And they have just escaped from prison, and the camera pans in on them. They're in a longboat on the sea. And one of the pirates, he has a Bible, and he appears uh, to be reading the Bible, but it is upside down. Now, this pirate has decided he will stop his... Pirating Ways, he is explaining he is now newly focused on taking care of his immortal soul. And the other pirate points to his upside-down Bible and says, you know you can't read? He says, it's the Bible. You get credit for trying. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about the Bible this morning. We want to focus on uh, what is this book and what role does it play uh, in our faith and in the life of the church um, I don't know about you, each week now we have four readings from the scriptures, and occasionally there's a reading, I'm like, I don't know what that was, maybe we just get credit for listening, <laughs> maybe we just get credit for trying, and, and is that all there is to it? Do we just hear these strange words and we get credit for having heard them, or does God want something more uh, for us? We're in 2 Timothy again uh, this morning, and the Apostle Paul is appealing To his young protege, Timothy. He's going to actually shift a little bit. Uh, Previously in this letter, Paul has encouraged Timothy uh, not to abandon the gospel, not to abandon Paul himself. And now Paul will put a finer point on it. Uh, It's not just that he's abandoning the gospel or abandoning himself uh, for Paul, Uh, Paul wants Timothy to not depart from the faith found in the scriptures he leans into the idea that everything Timothy believes and holds to is rooted in the scriptures, and there's a sturdy foundation that Timothy can stand on as he does uh, ministry. For Paul, the scriptures are the foundation of saving faith first, and they're the foundation of active faith as well. And Paul's keenly aware there's a danger of the message of the gospel, the message of the scriptures Uh, being twisted and tamed and turned into something tolerable. He's worried for his young protege, Timothy. So this morning, we're going to talk about the foundational role of the Bible um, as the Word of God. So first, the foundation of saving faith. Um, We kind of jumped in towards the end of chapter 3. And in the first part of this chapter, Paul has written about a time of really great darkness, of apostasy, people turning from the Lord, turning away uh, from his church, turning to sin, and engaging in listening to false teachers, uh, folks who would tell them what they want to hear versus what they needed to hear. Listen to what Paul writes uh, in this first part of chapter 3. To but understand this, uh, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Uh, Paul, what do you really think? (laughs) And he says, avoid these people. They're going to come in amongst the church and they're going to tell people what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. And it will be a time of of grief, of lament, of sadness, of sin within the church. And Paul says, for you, Timothy, I have something better in mind. Verse 14, but as for you, he's going to encourage him to hold tightly to something else. To hold firmly to the faith uh, that he has been raised in and the faith that he has embraced for himself. I love uh, verse 14 and 15. Just this story of someone's faith who is raised says, uh, but as for you continue in what you have learned. Um, This is a young man raised in the faith. We heard earlier that his mother, his grandmother, had been people of faith. They poured in to Timothy. He had a solid foundation in his home, but that's not all he had says, You have learned and have firmly believed. Paul came along to mentor him, disciple him as a spiritual father. And there's this beautiful joining of the faith of the home and the faith of him as an active adult. We see those come together in uh, Timothy. He says, From childhood, verse 15, there's something else that has been here the whole time. Verse 15 says, You have been acquainted With the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. You see what Paul's saying. There's this beautiful relational web, uh, the home Timothy's raised in, the leadership and mentoring of Paul, but undergirding all of this, he's acquainted with the sacred writings. Um, It's very interesting uh, and just the next verse, verse 16, Paul talks about all Scripture. Um, and I'm intrigued by the idea that Paul differentiates between the sacred writings and all Scripture. I think the sacred writings, he's clearly talking about the Hebrew Bible. And with all Scripture, I think he's beginning to understand there's something going on now and what we would call the New Testament church, where God is speaking significantly uh, through people again. He's beginning to think of all scriptures, the sacred writings of the Hebrew Bible, something more which we would know as the New Testament. God is doing something through uh, these writings, through these books. How does that work? How does that work in the life of a Christian and a life of a church? Um, As many of you know, we are an Anglican church, and when our broader church, the Anglican Church of North America, came together, um, they wanted to assert and reassert Uh, the foundation on which we would stand. They wrote, uh, it's called the Fundamental Declarations. And here's what the first one says, just kind of summarizing how we think about the Bible in this church. It says, we confess the canonical books of the Old and New Testament to be the inspired Word of God, containing all things necessary for salvation and to be the final authority and unchangeable standard for Christian faith and life. Um, the idea is that we would listen to this book together, not telling us only what we want to hear, but what we need to hear as well. It's a, it's a sacred trust, a sacred stewardship um, that we would have. In, in just a few weeks, our archbishop is going to be here, and uh, he's going to ordain uh, Deacon Joe as a priest, as a presbyter in the church. Um, and I, it, this occurred to me during our last service, that this declaration of what we believe about the Bible Joe is going to be asked very directly um, if he agrees with this. Um, (laughs) He's going to have to declare this I do believe the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the Word of God and to contain all things necessary to salvation, and I consequently hold myself bound to conform my life and ministry thereto, and therefore I do solemnly engage to conform to the doctrine of discipline, and worship of Christ as this church has received them. And and it's so important to us as a church that we would stand on the foundation of the Bible that we're not just going to have Deacon Joe say that to be ordained. He's going to come and say, okay, now sign it. Sign your name to this, that you're committed to this as a minister of the gospel. This is the foundation of faith. For Paul, it's the foundation of saving faith. He tells Timothy, it's it's these sacred writings that have made you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I love that phrase. Wise for salvation. It's made you ripe. I mean, think about how if you are uh, steeped and saturated in the Old Testament, you know of God the creator. You know of God who called a people to himself. You know of God who delivered his people from bondage and the exodus. You know of a God who made promises you're still waiting to see realized. It's made you wise and ripe for salvation so that then when God sends his son Jesus and all his promises are fulfilled and found to be yes in Christ Jesus, Timothy was ready to engage the gospel, to engage Jesus. And that's part of the point. There's a New Testament scholar, Gordon Fee. He says, Paul is urging Timothy to be loyal to the scriptures Uh, Because they lead to salvation. Um, We're not saved by the Bible per se. We're saved by Jesus. But the way we learn of Jesus, the way we learn of his work uh, most fully is through these sacred writings. And so we lean on them. We hold them in right reverence. Um, We we don't mistake. um, I'll just say I was. Some of you guys know I was not always an Anglican. Um, I served the Lord in other parts of the church, and I used to serve in one of those parts of the church where the Holy Trinity was the Father, Son, and Holy Bible instead of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's a, there's a place where we can somehow elevate it almost too high, um, and I've seen that, though that's not often a danger because once I came into the Anglican church, I, I kind of saw the opposite. It, it was often maybe Father, Son, and Holy Church, <laughs> Um, there was a lack of an engagement in the scriptures. In a church that, that read the Bible throughout the public worship, uh, four times maybe, four readings, the public reading of scripture, yet I encountered a church where the Bible was never read at home. Only in the church. And It, it seems like we always just fall off one side or the other. We either treat the Bible as this intriguing textbook, <laughs> um, or we leave it to the side when Paul is telling Timothy that this book makes us wise for salvation and God is at work in and through it. Look at verse 16 of chapter 3. All scripture is breathed out by God. Um, It's inspired. It has God's very creative and living breath in it. The book of Hebrews uh, says that the word of God is living and active. Um, Bishop N.T. Wright says the early Christians believed this passage is one of the strongest signs that, that the reason the scriptures are alive was because God had breathed them in the first place. The warmth and life of that creative breath was present and powerful. It reminds us of the creation account in Genesis where God forms humanity from the dust of the earth and then breathes his life into his creation, and it's alive, it's vital, it's fruitful. In the same way, God has breathed on the scriptures, breathed into life the scriptures, so they have the very creative and new creative life of God in them. That's why they seem alive. That's where they're living, that's where they're active, that's why they're the foundation of both saving faith and active faith. I don't know how you think about uh, the process by which uh, we got the scriptures. Um, I think there can be some, you know, this is a place we can get confused as well. Uh, Bishop N.T. Wright again points out, some Christians imagine that the, the writers of, of these books, I mean, 66 books over thousands of years telling one story, that's, a, that's miraculous. But we imagine that maybe these authors, uh, maybe God, you know, just dictated things to them, or they were like God's typewriter, um, there's other traditions where it's almost as if the person is in a trance and just transmits the word of God, but that's not how God works in the scriptures. Um, he delights to work in and through the personalities and circumstances of these writers. I think that's almost more remarkable that he, he uses uh, them. He, he delights to work through them. Again, 66 different books um, with uh, authors with their own personalities and vocations and struggles, sometimes responding to very specific circumstances that deeply affect what they see and how they saw things. But God uses that to give us this book, to tell one overarching story, to reveal himself to his creation whom he loves so much, to tell us of the story of redemption, and then to lead us and guide us in the scripture, uh, in the Christian life. The scriptures are foundational for our faith, they're inspired, um, and he keeps working in and through the scriptures to guide us and lead us. Um, One scholar says it used to be said that the writers of the New Testament, for example, Paul, uh, didn't think they were writing scripture. And that might be used to kind of put these at a second level, or maybe to not respond to some of the imperatives, the directives. Paul can get it a little hard to follow at times, but if you read these books, it's clear that uh, Paul's aware that God's at work in and through him in a unique way, that he has an authority ordained by God to be writing. Uh, Peter, in another book's like, man, dude, Paul writes some things, man, they're really hard to understand. But we attend to them and we pay attention to them. Um, Luke, when he writes the book of Acts, he says, hey, some other folks have put together these stories of the life of Jesus, which is great, I undertook, um, to put forth this story. Luke, And so you read the Gospel of Luke and the follow-up, the book of Acts. They're aware of what uh, God is calling them into, and they're careful and precise in writing the New Testament. Um, And the fact that sometimes it's it's a very occasional letter, you know, they're responding to a specific issue in a church or in someone's life. What's fascinating is that at those precise points of urgent need, um, you see that God is at work. When Paul is writing to an individual or to a church, he's aware that he's authorized by the apostolic call he's received from Jesus. He's aware that the power of the Holy Spirit, the very breath of God, is working in and through him to bring life and order to the church by his words. Now, it's interesting to me that when we read the New Testament, um, what we see is, first of all, an honoring of the Old Testament, of the Hebrew Bible. Um, There's never a place to go, Uh, we don't read that anymore, or we don't worry about that anymore, or there's a different God of the Old Testament. No. Um, We celebrate how God spoke to the prophets of the Old Testament and made us wise for salvation, made us ripe for salvation. But then the New Testament does elevate the gospel message and the gospel work. It elevates the Lord Jesus himself as the ultimate revelation of and from God who continues to speak and work uh, by the Holy Spirit. Um, John, in his gospel, calls Jesus the Word of God. Elsewhere, the Bible is called the Word of God. And I would just say we don't want to make the mistake that some people do where they set up the Word of God, the Bible, as somehow against the Word of God, Jesus. These always work in harmony. They always work together for the life and health of God's people and His church. And it isn't only that we found sal- find salvation in this book. Look at what Paul writes. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for a lot of stuff, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent and equipped uh, for every good work. Th- these books are given to teach God's people how to do the work he has given them to do, to guide them, And to lead them, for us to be rooted in uh, this good book. Um, John of Damascus, one of the early theologians, says, To search the sacred scripture is very good and most profitable for the soul, for like a tree which is planted near the running waters, that's from Psalm 1, so does the soul watered by sacred scripture also grow hardy and bear fruit in due season. This is the Orthodox faith. It is adorned with its evergreen leaves, with actions pleasing to God. It's equipping us for every good work. And so Paul wants him to know, in this time of, of darkness, of false teachers, of itching ears, where folks are saying, please tell us what we want to hear, not what we need to hear. is saying, stand firm. You're a minister of the gospel. You're a minister rooted in, In the scriptures, look at the beginning of chapter 4. I mentioned Joe's going to be ordained soon. This reads like an ordination sermon. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Um, It occurs to me that there are many functions that our clergy and staff team uh, do here at the church. Um, There's a lot of pastoral care that we do. There's a lot of logistical work from coffee to set up to, you know, some of the classes we have next weekend. Um, There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of flexibility of timing and the stage of our church and our team and all that. But the one thing you should always ask us to do is to preach the word of God. Um, again, not just when it's easy or convenient. Um, and when we do, just so you know, when we preach things that are not easy or not convenient, that are hard, um, that's not done with a wagging finger. That's done as we listen to God together and respond to his word written. We're called to, to preach the word. Uh, Paul knows that for Timothy, there will come a time when rooting our ministry in the scriptures uh, will be, as he says, in season or out of season. There's a time when it will be out of season out of fashion, unpopular. People will turn from it, he says, to suit their own passions and to wander off into myths. Paul says don't do that. Be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill uh, your ministry. Do the work God has given you to do. Rooted in this book. And so as I think about this, and I think about us kind of listening to Paul's words to Timothy together, Um, On the one hand, I would love if someone gave you a theology test on the Bible. You would say, this is uh, inspired by God. It makes us wise unto salvation. And it guides us in Christian life and ethics and mission. Um, that's That's a good textbook answer. But I don't think that's sufficient. That's not sufficient for how we apply a passage like this or how we think about uh, the scriptures. I, I came across um, an account from uh, Eugene Peterson. Some of y'all know Eugene Peterson. He was a Presbyterian minister. Uh, he's probably most well known for his paraphrase of the Bible in contemporary language, the message. Um, he was a, a master of Hebrew and Greek, and he, he kind of, he, he has this paraphrase. I hesitate to call it a translation. It's a beautiful para- paraphrase, uh, the message. But he was a man of the Bible. He, he was a man of the book, and he talks about a time in his life when he was um, a, a young man about 35, and he says that uh, he bought some running shoes. Um, he, he actually had been a collegiate a distance runner, a remarkable athlete. So he was reengaging that. when he's about 35, he's kind of busy and he's busy in ministry, he's stressed out, he's got a young family. So he buys some running shoes, and he just starts running. He's enjoying just that rhythm of long-distance running. And I imagine the solitude and opportunity for prayer and reflection as he does so. He says soon he's competing in uh, 10K races every other month or so. Um, Eventually, of course, he got to the level uh, to run a marathon. And in the midst of his running and racing and training, uh, he started subscribing to some running magazines. Um, He said he subscribed to three of the, I didn't even know there were three running magazines. I thought there was only Runner's World, but he found two others um, when he was 35, and he subscribed uh, to these magazines. And so you can imagine, and and if if you have a a habit, a hobby, you know what this is like. Um, There's this rhythm of he's running and racing and training, and then he's reading all about it and reading about ways to run and race and train and the gear and the nutrition, all this stuff. And then he's going out and he's running some more and he's racing and training. And then he's going back to the magazines and reading all about it, learning about this thing that he's actively doing. Uh, He's reflecting on it through uh, reading these magazines. And then eventually he gets injured. Uh, News flash, if you run too much, too long, you're going to get injured. (laughs) He pulls a muscle and he's out for several months. He said that those magazines would come and they just sat over on a dresser and collected dust. He had no interest in reading these magazines about running when he wasn't actually running and racing and training. And the moment he was healed and started running again, he was like, I started picking up those magazines and I'm reading them and I'm, I'm interested in them again. Again. It's part of the experience of running to read about it. And he said, you know, he's learning a few things along the way, but mostly it's just this, uh, this balanced way of life. Or where there's something he's actively doing, and then he's reading on to reflect and nourish what he's actively doing. This rhythm, back and forth, back and forth. And if he wasn't running, well, there's no need to read about it. And then it occurred to him that, man, the parallel with, how we think about the Holy Scriptures is striking. If you are following the Lord and you are seeking actively to do the work that God has given you to do, then you're going to be incredibly interested in this book. It's going to be part of this rhythm of you're living the Christian life, you're seeking to do the work that God has given you to do, you're being nourished and fed and guided by this living and active book. But by the same token, if you are not actively trying to live out your faith and do the work that God has given you to do, well, it's going to be as if you're an injured runner. Um, you're not going to be interested in, in that literature. Um, it's not going to seem applicable um, to your life. It's going to seem obscure. And who could even ever really do that? And why would I even spend time reading that? Eugene Peterson says, if we're not living in active response to the living God, then reading this book, reading of of creation and salvation and holiness, they don't hold our interest very long. And by the same token, then, if we are actively doing these things, when we come to this book, um, we don't come for trivia, (laughs) we don't come for mere facts. Um, we don't just come for slogans or trinkets or things we can put in on the back of our car as a bumper sticker. We're coming to learn of the living God and what he calls us to do and how he calls us to live. And so then when we come to this book, well, the question we ask is not simply what does this mean, but what can I obey? What can we obey together? And that simple obedience will open up our lives to this book uh, more than uh, long courses or dictionaries or commentaries or deep study. And I love deep study. Um, I mean, my, my library is embarrassing how many books about this book I own. Um, but there's a first step of simple obedience where we come to this book and say, who do we meet and what can we obey? And I would just pray that we would be a people, we would be a church um, of God's word, following the word of God, following the Lord Jesus who came to us from the Father, uh, full of grace and full of truth. Um, That's our call if you're a follower of Jesus. Um, And I would say if you're you're not a Christian, if you're still trying to resolve uh, and explore the Christian faith, first, we're we're really glad that you are here this morning. Um, We're glad that you have come among us today And I would say that the best thing you could do is to open this book and start reading. Um, I would say maybe uh, start with one of the Gospels. The Gospel of Mark is a short account of the life of Jesus. Um, See if it would make you wise unto salvation. See if the person you meet in that Gospel is one who would be worthy of your worship and honor. Um, Be introduced to the Lord Jesus Christ as you read of him uh, in this, this Bible, and then, and then feel free. I mean, you can schedule a time. Uh, we're not that busy, and we like coffee a lot. Um, schedule a time to talk with me or, or one of our team, or maybe there's a friend uh, at church that invited you here today. Um, we'd love to talk with you about what you find and questions that you might have um, to serve you as you explore the Christian faith and the person and work of Jesus as you come to know more and more this God who loves you more than you could ever hope. Um, or imagine. But let's take a moment now for prayer before we move uh, into the next part of our service. Let's pray. Gracious God, and most merciful Father, you have granted us the rich and precious jewel of your holy word. Assist us with your Holy Spirit, that the same word may be written in our hearts to our everlasting comfort to reform us, to renew us according to your own image, to build us up and edify us into the perfect dwelling place of your Christ, sanctifying and increasing in us all heavenly virtues. Grant this, O Heavenly Father, we pray, for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen.